Hello, we're internet travelers, and welcome to a fun in-between show. So, we like to do something different and shake it up once in a while. So, if you guys listen to the other in-between show, this is part two of a very long um, recording or conversation about the Star Wars films. And so, today we're going to be tackling the original trilogy. Whoop. Yeah. So, uh, like we said before, um, this is a big undertaking, so we want to hear your thoughts, your comments, you know, if you agree, if you disagree with us, you know, maybe you secretly hate Empire Strikes Back. We want to hear from you. And not be friends with you anymore. Yeah. So that, that's the way it works. Just kidding. Um, so yeah, um, without further ado, let's just jump right in. Now we're talking about the original uh, Star Wars trilogy, so be pumped and excited. If you didn't like the prequels, well, you know, that's water under the bridge now. So, um, we're talking about A New Hope, um, the first movie that started this whole this whole thing going, this whole train running, and um, let's see, it came out in... 1977. 77, that's what I was going to say. Just double checking. Just double checking. Something of this magnitude. I cannot, uh, mistakes are not good. Um, so yeah, it came out in 77. And just for, like, on a lot of fronts, um, this movie pioneered a lot of just, like, practical effects. And, um, you know, it was kind of like the most accessible, I feel like, um, sci fi had been at any point. Um, and like MJ and I were talking about this earlier, I feel like this is one of those films where even if there's people who are not really into sci-fi, they were kind of like, oh, there's, you know, there's action and there's adventure and there's characters that are relatable. And that was kind of a bigger draw for everybody. So kind of the whole premise of what's going on in A New Hope is after the events of Episode 3, we're on Tatooine and that's where we start. And Obi-Wan has taken Luke there and we see Luke as, what is he, 18? 19. 19. 19, and he's and he's kind of grown up, and he's doing stuff, and he's really kind of wanting to get out of his small town. And Obi Wan is a hermit who lives kind of like on the other side of Tatooine, and these he's going by Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi now, and as this is all happening, we have the Rebel Alliance that is smuggling plans about the Death Star back to their base, and Darth Vader catches up to them and apprehends uh, Princess Leia. And she puts the plans into an R2 unit that is then deployed in a pod, escape pod, to Tatooine. And so they end up there, and some Jawas find them, who are kind of like little traitor guys. And they end up selling these units to Luke and his uncle. And so Luke finds R2, and he finds the message. And, you know, Princess Leia has the famous, like, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And so... Luke is supposed to go get them cleaned up and get their memory wiped, but he's curious, and so he ends up um, going out to to find Ben Kenobi, and he's ambushed by sand people. And from there, like, Ben saves them and kind of, like, starts to open up, like, the layers about, like, the universe. It's, like, it's bigger than Luke could imagine, and there's other things going on. And so that's kind of how Luke gets pulled into this whole, like, sphere of conflict that's going on between the Rebels and the Empire, and kind of he gets his first introduction to the Jedi. And so we see them, um, they have to find the transport out of here, and so this is where they go to Tatooine, um, like kind of most icily, and uh, they meet up with Han Solo. And, uh, you know, it's debatable to find out whether, you know, Han shot first in that bar. But uh, we meet Han Solo regardless, 
and uh, we see the Millennium Falcon and Chewie, and they take off, and that's when they end up at the Death Star, and they kind of run into Princess Leia there, they do some stuff, Ben runs into Darth Vader again, and we kind of have their kind of resolution of their arc, and we see Luke, Han, and Leia escape, and then they get out, and then Luke kind of joins up with the Rebels, and then we see them fly and attack the Death Star because they have the plans now. And Luke is the one where we kind of see in this awesome trench run sequence where instead of relying on computers and technology, he kind of gets his first taste at using the Force. Um, and so that's kind of like the general premise of what's going on in New Hope. I mean, we'll delve into the details. But um, so MJ, um, I guess we... Man, it's so hard to say, like, what doesn't work in these films. But uh, because they're so minor, probably, what things don't work for you in these films? Um, Luke, in this first one, <laughs> uh, really doesn't work for me. He's real whiny. Um, not as bad as Anakin. Not as bad as Anakin, it's true. But he's he's very whiny, uh, like father, like son, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> and And so his, like... Really, like, objectively looking at it, I use the word tenuously, um, <laughs> objectively, really objectively looking at it, like, Mark Hamill's not that good in this movie. Um, yeah. He's way better in 5 and 6. Yep. Way yep. better. Yep. And and his overall arc to see, um, and we'll talk about this more with Return of the Jedi, yeah. his overall arc and where it ends, he's come a long way since that whiny little kid, so, like, yeah. seeing that arc is really good, but... They didn't know they were making Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi when nope. Star Wars came out. So it was just a choice they made yeah. at that time. So that's that, like, looking at it through that lens, it does not work for me at all. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, that's kind of it. Um, you know, and, and it's not the whole movie. It's, it's very uh, intercut throughout it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that endears people to the character is he's still willing to take on the mantle of Jedi. Yeah. And so that's the, like that's good, I think. Um, but yeah, so that, that character doesn't really work for me. Um, when I was younger, I didn't really understand the Jawas, but I think they're better now. Like, yeah. The Jawas were, were very strange for me as a kid. <laughs> um I think it's a little weird the way they handled the death of uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. It just kind of glosses over it. Yeah. Oh, that's a thing. I don't even know if I should say this now. That's what doesn't work for me in episode three is Anakin killing the kids. Killing the younglings because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it feels... When that happens, I understand that you can't show Anakin hacking up a bunch of children to death. Yep. But it also feels very weird to just cut away from it at the moment they cut away from it. You know, because you just kind of see him walk into the room and they're like, we're very scared. And then he ignites his lightsaber and that's kind of the end of the scene. And that just like, it just yeah. feels weird. You know, like, it it's very dark and very implied, but, like, it feels like the implication doesn't go far enough, which is very weird to say. Like, I'm not, like... I, I don't know. I feel like it, it might. You think <laughs> so? He's like, Master Skywalker, there's two men of them. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, but just, the, I don't know. Maybe it's the way, like, the cut they decided to use. Like, it's a very hard cut yeah, in the next is. scene. So it feels very, like, it's very jarring when yeah. that happens. So maybe that's it, but it just there's just something about the way that scene is handled that I feel like could have been done a little bit better. 
to where you could still get the darkness across and not have to like show a bunch of children dying yeah um no i i would agree with you yeah um so that uh that doesn't work for me in episode three but i guess some of the cuts are weird in this one too yeah it's also 70s editing yeah so there's that um that's kind of it for what doesn't work yeah i feel like you can get really like nitpicky Mm -hmm. but i mean yeah i mean i don't want to say like star wars is a like a new hope is a perfect film but it's just yeah there's not i don't know there's not really a lot of things that like misfire or just problems yeah there's not like glaring problems in this film um things that yeah so i guess i'll just jump right in things that work for me um the story is just really compelling and you know it kind of we've been going through all of them chronologically but you know when this came out like this was all people had and so it's kind of honestly like when you look at it you just get dropped right into the middle of it and um what feels kind of like different than like phantom menace how i said like oh yeah i feel like you get dropped right into the middle of it and there's so much kind of like political exposition and stuff going on i feel like we get dropped into the middle of it, but we have a character that very much like the audience can relate to mm. in Luke. And so not like he's kind of like, oh, yeah, he represents like the audience, but he's very much kind of like, you know, he just lives in the small kind of like world here in Tatooine. And so when he starts getting embroiled in this larger conflict, we're kind of learning the different pieces like with the same timing that Luke does. I mean, like, yeah, we do see other things that he doesn't, but you know, it's very kind of like we walk with him through this journey. He doesn't know about the Sith. He doesn't know about the Jedi. And we kind of like learn that as Ben talks to him, as we see more of Vader and like their conflict. So that's something that really works for me, like the story overall and just how I feel like it was a pretty, you know, Star Wars in itself, like the first movie, I would say like, it's a pretty like cohesive, complete story, but just, um, just kind of like being like taking the gamble, the risk to like to try something like that is just I don't know. It's just so it's so awesome to think back. It's like wow, they they really like pioneered that type of storytelling. So that really works for me. All the practical effects really work for me. It's kind of crazy to think like oh my gosh, that was like the late seventies and they were doing that stuff and it still looks so good today. Mm-hmm. I mean like you know it's like yeah we have a lot better technology and different ways, but. But honestly, I say like a majority of that film holds up. It's like, yeah, there's some nitpick scenes where it's like, oh yeah, you can clearly tell. Yeah. But for the most part, it does hold up. And I think those are some of the biggest things that work for me about this whole film. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Um, I think what you said is very important um, about you have this conduit into the universe. Like, you know, Luke knows life on Tatooine and... We all, you know, we all didn't grow up on farms. We all kind of know what life on Tatooine is like. We all know what regular day-to-day life is like. And so to be thrust into this adventure is, uh, is, is compelling. Like you said, is the word you use. It's very compelling. And it's, it's a good, uh, he's a good conduit for the audience, right? He's the one who holds our hand through everything. And I think that might be, uh, uh, to bring the prequels up again might be why people don't think the prequels work because Jar Jar Binks is supposed to be that in episode one. What? Right? Cause, I, oh, yeah, I guess, cause yeah, like, I guess so. Because, like, Qui-Gon is a master Jedi. 
Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's been in a Padawan forever, so he basically knows how everything yeah. works. He's well on his way to becoming a Jedi. Like, the first character we meet that doesn't know this world that the Jedi reside in and, like, this overall political, like, atmosphere that's going on on Naboo is Jar Jar Binks. Like, he's supposed to be that in episode one, and people <laughs> hate that guy. Wow, I've, I've never thought of it like that. And it that makes complete sense. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. Um, so, so th- that conduit is very strong in this. You yeah. Know? And I think films that have like a very complicated mythos need that. Um, I think one of the best things Inception does is it gives us a, mm-hmm. a strong conduit, right? Like, I feel like that maze maker that, um, Ellen Page is, she's a little bit of a blank slate, but it's cool because we can project onto her. Yeah. Luke's a little bit of a blank slate in this movie and we can project onto him. Yeah. And then in the next two, they really buff out the character and you've already projected onto him, so you already feel like him. Yeah. And so he very much gets his own arc in the next two. Yeah. But, um, we also have gotten elements of ourselves wrapped up in him. And so that works throughout all three. And I think that's another thing that, like, you know, we kind of touched on, but I think that's something that, and I don't know, like, how they would have done that in the prequels, but I feel like that's something that was kind of, a lot of people missed. They missed kind of having an entry point character that they could kind of connect to. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it was like, oh, I guess it's the only person doesn't really know is, like, Jar Jar, and then we get to, like, you know, two and three, and it's like, okay, it's kind of Anakin's story, but I don't really feel like, you know... So, yeah. yeah, so, so, I mean, that works, um, just the action sequences work, like, yeah. the, the pacing works so well in yeah. this movie, it's so perfectly <laughs> paced, man, oh my gosh, it's, it's a perfect way to tell this story, yeah, um, and, and just the scenes they chose to include, and, and the chemistry the cast has with each yeah. other is incredible. The like, characters, the yeah. The characters are all really solid. It's just, it's such a great movie. It's such a great It's movie. like, I mean, like, this film, like, honestly established a lot of the archetypes that we see now in, mm-hmm. like, you know, not just sci-fi, science fiction, but just, like, different genres of film, you know? Yeah, like, the hero's journey. You yeah. Know? And, and, you know, this is a, a rehash of all the stuff George Lucas liked. Like, it's King Arthur and mm-hmm. Seven Samurai. Like, it's just... It's just him chewing them up and spitting them back out. And I think one of the problems we have in modern cinema is all we're doing is chewing up George Lucas and spitting him back out. (laughs) And that's all. Lucas had King Arthur legends. Lucas had car uh, interests and mechanical Mm -hmm. interests. And he liked the way things worked. Lucas had sci-fi interests. Lucas had seven samurai and akira kurosawa and old western influences like he had Mm -hmm. so many different influences and now everyone's just trying to be lucas and spielberg right yeah and so (laughs) so it's it's kind of a problem like we need to look at what influenced those guys and start letting those things influence us you know Uh, you're a musician i think one of the i think in music uh, a common thing to hear is find out your favorite band's favorite bands and listen to those Mm-hmm. And then find out that favorite band's favorite bands and listen to those. And that's yeah. how you broaden your horizons. We don't have that in the film uh, world as much. And it bothers me. People are just like, I want to copy this person and yeah. be like them. Yeah. But they don't understand why that person did what they did. I mean, that's a good example. People are like, I want to be Spielberg. But they don't understand why 
things in his movies work. Yeah, like Spielberg loves the old school guys like Frank Capra. Like if you man, we derailed this conversation. If you uh, <laughs> if you uh, if you look at like Bridge of Spies or Lincoln, it's very those are Frank Capra movies. Those are Spielberg trying to catch Frank Capra. Spielberg's mm-hmm. a big John Ford fan. So go if you love Spielberg and you want to be the next Spielberg, don't try to just make freaking Jaws again. Go or, and, Jurassic Park. <laughs> or Jurassic Park. Or Jurassic Park. I intentionally avoided it so I wouldn't have a reference to that freaking movie on the podcast. Sorry. You I set it up. I, had it. To... I almost said Jurassic Park. I came this close to saying Jurassic Park. You're like, Park. no. Yeah, and I was like, no, say Jaws, say Jaws, say Jaws, and I did. Man. <laughs> anyway, so don't just go to try to like remake Jaws and do the things that worked in Jaws. Go watch a Frank Capra movie. Go watch a John Ford movie. Go see how those things influence Spielberg's work. Um, I mean, one of his, uh, I haven't seen it, but one of his most underrated uh, and widely loved uh, movies is a movie called Always, which is a remake of a John Ford movie. Mm -hmm. It's one of the only remakes, uh, I think it might be the only remake he has under his belt. Um, You know, so find out who influences the people who influence you and emulate them. Yeah. Is is what I'm trying to say, because you see that coming through in Lucas. Yeah. Right. Um, because Seven Samurai was inspired by medieval mm-hmm. stuff and Lucas loves Seven Samurai, found out that that was inspired by like the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah. And read up on the Knights of the Round Table. And you see all that on the screen in these three movies. Yeah. Um, so now that that rant is over, <laughs> um, that, that so that's what works is what works is the what works is almost meta in a way what works is the passion of the people involved yeah these are guys who were the first era of of uh what's called new hollywood and and they were the first uh group of guys that came out of film school everyone up to that point hadn't gone to school to learn how to make movies they just made movies Mm -hmm. and so that's why you have like these crazy 70s cinema like francis ford coppola and martin scorsese and spielberg and Mm -hmm. lucas these guys all came up in film school and now they're out in the world and they're hungry and you can tell they're hungry because they made the godfather (laughs) and mean streets and star wars and jaws and Mm -hmm. apocalypse now like all these crazy iconic 70s movies come out of that first wave of guys who were the first people to graduate from film school and so seeing that on the screen is so so important for this and so that's like what works to me is like all the behind scenes all the behind the scenes love and passion that went into it yeah i think that's what lends itself to how perfect this movie is man yeah i i totally agree with you it's it's so good it is it is very good um you know there and like this there's so many character archetypes in this movie you know Mm -hmm. and they also play with some of them like the princess isn't a damsel in distress she can hold her own yeah she needs a little bit of help to get out because she's in prison yeah but like if you were trying to bust anyone out of prison they're gonna need help help. yeah yeah but then once she gets out she's very capable with a blaster like yeah you know she's not totally in distress yeah need of help like she's a boss yeah she can (laughs) handle it um you know, she's very, like, ferocious politically. Yeah. You know, and she stands up to Darth Vader to his face. Yep. Um, you know, so you have, like, these very traditional archetypes that are also being played with a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And it's cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah. And it's just, like, memorable, you know, memorable characters. You know, Princess Leia, Han Solo. Probably one of the most, you know, like, memorable characters. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you know, just even outside of Star Wars. And and it's, again, because it's like we're getting the archetypes, but they're being played with a little bit. And, yeah. oh, man, this is so good. Yeah, I, and a cast of unknowns. Yeah. To go more behind the scenes with why I love this movie. <laughs> It's a cast of people that weren't regular faces, you know? Because this is what kind of, like, springboarded Harrison Ford, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was in American Graffiti with George Lucas uh, behind the camera a, mm -hmm. few, a couple years earlier, but this is the one that, like, made him a household name. Yeah. You know? This is the one that put Mark Hamill on the map. Carrie Fisher's a little bit different. She came up in Hollywood. Her parents were um, very, very big wigs. Uh, oh. Her mom was a famous actress, and her dad was a famous producer. So she came up in the industry, but this is the one that, like was like Carrie Fisher's here. You yeah. Know, she's arrived as an actress. Um, you know, and, and, and Spielberg, you know, mm -hmm. um, he's a producer on this movie. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a reason Spielberg and Lucas are, you know, cited as some of the most influential filmmakers of the, uh, whoa, of the 20th century. Yeah. And there's a reason they work together, you know. There's an earnestness on screen yeah. that mirrors that of Spielberg. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man, this movie's great. Oh, it's really good. It's hard to... Oh, um, so many good things. Um, we'd be remiss if we did not touch on a couple things before we wrap this up. Um, music. Oh, man. John Williams. Awesome. I mean, like, we talked about how much we love the music in the prequels. This is where it all started. Mm -hmm. Just just the music that he was able to craft just to really, like, bring us into this world. These themes that they, they seem, like, you know, bigger than themselves. Like, you know, when we're out here in space and just these iconic, iconic staples we get, like, that, like, you know, mirror the character so perfectly... You know, this is where it all started, and it's just, uh, it's just amazing. Like, I mean, there's just so many, you know, besides, like, the opening, like, logo theme, you know, we have, we have those themes of, like, you know, Luke being on Tatooine, like, you know, he gets back there, and, like, everything's on fire, like, when his parents die, and you mm -hmm. hear the, you hear the iconic, like, Tatooine sunset theme, you mm -hmm. know, I can, I can hear it right now, but we get, we get all those themes in this movie, and it's just, the music is incredible. I mean, I, I would have to say, like, Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi have some of my favorite music, but, like, this is where it all started. Yeah, um, we talked about this on the last episode. I don't pay attention to music ever in a movie. Like, it never registers in my brain. Except John Williams. Except John Williams, and especially, especially Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you know, the music is so iconic and so perfectly fitting without being overbearing yeah. it's just the mix is perfect on it yep. it's just loud enough in the movie to really underscore it mm -hmm. um you know to be a score yeah you know it's not in your face but it's loud yeah. it's not um overbearing but it's exciting you know it, it, it's it's the perfect balance of all the things that it needs to be without being totally overwhelming yeah and that coupled with sound design mm. and sound oh, effects oh my gosh <laughs> Oh man, Ben Burt is yes. my hero. Ben Burt is like every everything I want to be as a creative person is what Ben Burt is. He is amazing. Just like how he can even come up with the ideas to like figure out some of these sounds. Like if you guys go watch like documentaries about him, it's just it's he's incredible. 
just how he's figured out some of these sounds for like the sound of like a lightsaber or the sounds of like the ships flying by. It's just mm-hmm. like, how would you even think of that? I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, I don't, he has commentaries at least on um, Empire Strikes Back. I don't know if his commentary is on New Hope or Return of the Jedi. I imagine it is. Yeah. But just he, I mean, he's hands down the most interesting part <laughs> of those commentaries. Um, just listening to like what, like, it's it's weird. It's like, these are some seals that hang out near my house. <laughs> And I recorded them through a funnel into my tape recorder, and then I slowed it down and ran it through this, like, put this weird reverb on it that no one uses, yeah. and that's the sound that this makes. Like, okay, okay, Ben Burt, what is wrong with you? How do you even have, how do you even hear that? But like, then it works so well in the movies, you're like, oh, I couldn't imagine sand people sounding a different way. Right. Or I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, like, lightsabers sounding differently. So just the the sound design coupled with like John Williams music, I feel like is a very integral part of like what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Yes, I agree. So, so yeah, I just had to touch on that before we before we moved on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, that's a good one. But anything else before we wrap this one up? I think I'm good. Alrighty. Well, um, we're going to take a quick break. Go talk to some people, and we'll be back to talk about Empire Strikes Back. Whoop, whoop. All right. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm here solo, sans uh, my co-host, with Slade Oren. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Via Skype, um, as you are in Northern California. Yes. Yep. Hopefully it works out okay. Yeah, it, it should. Um, we haven't had a problem having other guests in with Skype, so um, how you been? Cool. Uh, good, man. I've been real busy. Yeah. I'm doing well. Good, good. Um, so you know why we're here. I think it's kind of impossible to not yes. know why we're here if you follow the show at all. <laughs> um, or even what's coming out in theaters uh, at Your all. Life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. If you know anything about anything. Yeah, exactly. So what? Uh, what is your personal um, sort of connection to Star Wars in that universe? Um, uh, let's see. Who doesn't love Star Wars? I mean, it's great. Um, I was, I don't know. The original ones were always something that was on TV and my parents watched and I watched and they were just always around when I was a kid growing up. So Star Wars was always just a thing that was, you know, just existed and I liked and who doesn't like Star Wars, you know? So, um, I've always had that. And then, um, when the prequels came out, I saw Phantom Menace in theaters when I was a kid and I thought it was okay. And then they kind of, kept releasing them and i kept getting like sadder about them probably because you got older yeah and they got they're just not good so that's probably also part of it so that's kind of but it didn't like stop my love of star wars you know like and like i've spent many hours on wikipedia yeah Um, that's the wikipedia for star wars so and i like i've read a bunch of the books and i like a lot of the uh you know outside the movies um universes I find interesting, and there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So, yeah, I've always liked Star Wars. Cool. Um, I think you're actually one of the first people that's really delved into the uh, expanded universe stuff. I haven't even done that. I've done a little bit. But um, is there something specific about the expanded universe that you really like, like a certain series or something? Um, I just like all the continuity. Okay. Uh, it's really cool that it's all interconnected. Uh, and it's so well-developed because there's been so many people in so many hands and uh, so much time devoted to it. 
I mean, there's 20 plus years that happen in the novels outside of the, you know, past the original trilogy and all that stuff is in this. You have like Luke, uh, Luke's kids and uh, Han and Leia's kids and all that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just really interesting. And the Star Wars universe is great. I mean, there's all these cool aliens and, you know, who doesn't like, like a little sci-fi. So, yeah, it's, it's really vast. Fun. Oh, yeah, so huge. There's so much history and, um, like, myth, mythos, and um, it's so well-developed. Like, uh, I, got re- I just got really into it for, for a time, so it was cool. Nice. I played a ton of the video games from the Expanding Universe, like the, oh, yeah. you, the Dark the Forces stuff. What's that? Um, I played all the ones for 64 were the best. Oh, yeah, like uh, Rogue Squadron. Shadows, Rogue Squadron, amazing. Um, Shadows, Shadows uh, of the Empire. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, they've had historically really good video games. Yeah, I think so. I think probably stronger than any other um, film franchise that's been adapted to video games. They've had stuff. Even the old school ones for like Super Nintendo were sweet. Oh, like Super Star Wars and stuff. Yeah, all those were really fun. Yeah. So it's been like been pretty consistent. The new Battlefront just came out. Yeah. Supposed to be good. So. Yeah, I really like the Jedi Outcast games. Oh yeah, those are cool. Yeah, I I remember when they announced that they were going to be doing seven, eight, and nine. I was like, "Does this mean they're going to do Kyle Katarn?" Um, but <laughs> that's like every nerd is like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as they announced it, I was like, "That would be amazing." Yeah, but I was I was, there was the one thing that I was really upset about with the new the new movie is they just completely um, said they're getting rid of all the you know. Uh, other universe stuff um, yeah all the novels and all the history the comics everything they're just like nope that doesn't exist anymore and i was kind of upset about that um i was like what what the heck man like you i've invested this time and energy into caring about this thing and it no longer matters so that was kind of a little sad for me yeah but i understand why cause it's like nobody knows about it um uh, but i feel like it was just it wasn't i'm not that it was great but it wasn't bad either so yeah i don't know um, so you uh, actually just confessed a love for the Star Wars franchise that I didn't know you had. Um, like, I, I always knew you liked it, but I didn't realize you were super into it. It makes sense, because you love Mythos. That's true, I do. Yep. But I just, I think mainly most of our conversations uh, hover around the prequels, because we have, it's easier, it's more fun to talk about that, because we have differing opinions, like... It's true. Like, it's less fun to be like, hey, we all love these movies, let's talk about that. Yeah, that definitely doesn't breed as much a conversation or debate or passion as uh, the my hate of the prequels does. Yeah. And you're, uh, for some reason, like of them yep. that I don't understand. But... Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so I actually, going into this interview, I was kind of like, oh, well, it'll be cool to get Slade's perspective. I think he, like... I think he likes it, but I don't know if he's like as into it as some of the other franchises he loves, um, like Tolkien Universe and stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely um, like I like Star Wars, but I was never—I've never been just like super into Star Wars. Um, it's never been like my favorite thing as as much as like comics or superheroes, mm-hmm. which is like that's the thing I really care about a lot. Yeah, I've been really into most of my life. Star Wars was always just kind of there. It was always just like part of the nerd culture that I was in. So it was just one of those things like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I like this. And who doesn't like lightsabers? Oh, what a cool weapon. Yeah, it's awesome. So that in and of itself just is a huge win. Yeah. I mean, you know, talking about the effect that's had on 
history, like, or on, on film history, like, huge. Just that one thing, you know? Yeah, I think about, like, the reason we're going to have laser guns in the future is because of stuff like Star Wars. Yeah. So what are some of you, like, who are some of your favorite characters? Who do you love in, in the Star Wars universe? Oh, man. I mean, the original, like, that's what makes the original three so good is the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a cool storyline going on, but it really was the character interaction that made the movie. I mean, if you look at the first movie, uh, New Hope, the first, like, quarter of that movie is just, like, C-3PO and R2-D2 hanging out. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah. yeah they keep you engaged, and they're just really interesting, well-thought-out characters. Uh, so that's cool. And so I like all the old characters. I think they're great. Um, I'm a big Obi-Wan fan in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like uh, the original Obi-Wan, obviously. And even um, Ewan McGregor's portrayal of it is um, very good. I just really like that character. And obviously I'm a huge Han Solo fan because he's the best. Yeah, he is the best. His arc is really <laughs> his arc is really satisfying too, like just kind of going from this you know old religions and stuff don't actually have any bearing on the world to like even we see him in the trailer and he's just like yeah that's all that's all true. Yeah, yeah, he is a really good kind of a cool uh, growth throughout everything, and he's like influenced by the, the other characters and, and their interaction, and he really changes. Um, and that's the thing I like about um, a lot of the original. Like Luke has a really good story, and he grows and changes, and is different. And uh, Han does as well, and Leia does. They all have these really good arcs, which I appreciate. Yeah. Within each movie, and with within the um, overall length of the three, which is which is really cool. So I like all the old characters: Obi Wan and Han Solo, obviously. So. Yeah, those are your guys. Your go-to guys. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's there's uh, an elephant at the room we've kind of hinted at, and that is your hatred of the prequels. Yeah, they're not good. Yeah. So a two part question, um, and keep the answer a little brief on the first part because I know you got it. I know we uh, we could be here a while if you go into everything, but what do you hate the most about the prequels? And uh, is there anything you do like about the prequels? Man, what do I hate the most? That's hard. That's hard to say. Um, there's just a lot of bad things going on. Um, I think the main thing is how sterile it all feels. Mm. Um, and that's a combination of um, the bad dialogue and the acting that is kind of bad because of the dialogue, but also bad in itself. Um, and the fact that there's kind of just nothing going on and then like an action sequence and like nothing going on. Um, so it's a combination of all this that kind of blends into this feeling where you don't actually care what's happening. Um, you're not invested in these characters because they don't, they don't act like they should. Um, it's not natural. Um, nothing that you're emotionally invested in really counts for anything. Um, any payoffs that should be happening just don't work. Um, so and there's a lot of things that go into that, but I think that's the main thing. Um, wh- the main thing that I don't like about them and what's wrong with them um, is this... Like, any one thing, one of the bad things, like, okay, the dialogue's bad, that could be forgiven if it's, like, made up somewhere else. Mm. You know, and I don't think that ever happens. So that's probably the main thing I dislike about it. And there's, like, there's, man, it just seems like a wasted, uh, it's just, it's just disappointing even now. Mm. Um, 
Anyway. Um, so do you, I, a follow-up question to that part. Um, do you think – what I mean, what do you think is the cause of that? Do you think that it's just that George Lucas wrote a bad script or do you think it's because he tried to make too much of it a com- in a computer when it like – computer effects weren't really at that spot yet and so the you had a bunch of people not only acting against nothing but acting against nothing for one of the first times in cinema history i think it's a combination of all those things like i was saying like any one of those things um could have happened and they could have made it up in other areas i feel like every at every turn just the wrong decision was made Hmm. like the script isn't very good uh, you know, I was like, oh, well, maybe we should, we should fix that. And, you know, this everything's CG and it feels terrible. And the actors don't know what they're doing because everything's CG, you know. And there's like this whole combination of... And then the people they got... Like, the, the casting's actually really good, which is sad because it doesn't pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a combination. And the cinematography is not done well. It's very generic and repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, man, there's just there's just a lot of things going going wrong um i think the main thing is like their folk like george's focus was like not where it should have been um he forgot i feel like he forgot what made the, the originals good which is like we just talked about it was the characters yeah you know this was supposed to be you know darth Vader's his uh you know his story how did he fall you know he he was a great jedi but then he became this evil guy it's like you that's the story we wanted to hear and we didn't really get that we just got all this other th- stuff about Palpatine, which is like fine, but it's not. There was no heart in that. You didn't care about Palpatine, you know. Mm-hmm. Who's this random old evil guy? You don't care about him, you know. And the, he gives you nothing to care about these characters. He's too busy focused on, you know, making the CG look good and putting a million CG creatures in the background, or any number of things. So, yeah. I think that's that's it's just every step along the way. Which is like not the right choice to make. Yeah. So, okay. Got what it. I do like, um, the, to answer your other question, mm-hmm. is I think Ewan McGregor is the best part of these movies. Yes, he is. Um, he's great in them, and even the dialogue's bad. Like it's still bad. It's obvious, but he works with it as best as he can, and he's the only person I character I care about in the first three movies at all. Um, he's the only interesting part. I, like what he does is the only thing I care about usually. Um, when I watch these movie films, um, I mean the, the the lightsaber battles are pretty cool. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yoda fighting people was pretty sweet. Yes. I'm not gonna argue that. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely the best part. Ian McGregor's the best, and that's kind of why I like Obi Wan so well because I feel like he does a really good job with the character, and um, he kind of lives up to the previous expectation of Obi Wan more so than anything else in the movies. So. Cool. Uh, so looking forward, um, you know, we're when this goes up, it'll be one week exactly or six days exactly, I guess, until people set their eyes on on a new Star Wars movie. You know, um, episode seven, it's 30 years after episode six. It's still a continuation of the story of the Skywalkers, right, which is what all six of these movies have been. And uh, from that teaser with Luke's narration, it kind of seems like Seven is following in the in the footsteps of that. Um, so what do you think about it all? Do you think that it's a good idea in the first place to make a Seven, Eight, Nine? Do you think that um, that it 
that now that it's happening, do you think it looks good? Are you excited about it? I like, I'm sure you're going to see it. Um, but I mean, what do you, what do you think about it? Um, at first when I heard that they were, Lucas had sold it to Disney and they're like, Oh, we're making a, you know, we're making a sequels. I was mm-hmm. like, Whoa, that's crazy. You know, like, cause I didn't think they were going to make any more cause the prequels were so hated and didn't work out as well right. as they had hoped. Um, so it makes, it makes sense. I mean, it's not like you're not going to make another Star Wars because you want money. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I, everything that I've heard about it and everything that they've released and information, it sounds like they're like trying to make the right decisions. Mm. You know, they're trying to do more practical effects and they're saying things that the fans want to hear. And that all sounds cool. But then I, I feel like everyone forgot what happened last time. <laughs> so much hype about this movie right now. Yeah. It's crazy the amount of hype. Like, yeah. everybody knows this is happening. And I'm just like, people, you remember what happened last time, right? Like, there was the same amount, like, this hype it was before. Phantom Menace had the same amount of excitement going into it. The people were like, oh, it's going to be great. You know, this whole thing. So I'm very, like, just skeptical hmm. um, about the whole thing. And I don't know if I like some of their choices and that they made and all this stuff, but I'm just mostly just skeptical. Like, it, I'm not ruling on the fact that it could be good. And I'm not saying it's going to be terrible. I'm just like, I, I'm just, people don't get your hopes up because I don't know. I, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. We'll see about the new movie, man. I'm not, I don't know. I'm very skeptical. I'm like not excited about it at all. Really? Yeah, I'm like the opposite of everyone. Everyone seems to be like pretty excited about it and be like, this is going to be, this is like a huge event and all this stuff. And I was just like, I don't really care. Like, huh. I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'll probably watch it. And then if it's good, cool. You know, I, I think it's part of the reason because they just got rid of all the, everything that I had learned about it and put time into energy and reading the old books oh, and mm-hmm. caring about the series was kind of thrown out the window. So now it's just like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm going to like it or if it's good or, you know, it doesn't even, it's like not even Star Wars kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole nother thing now. It's like become its own new franchise almost. Right. You're not even excited to see like Han and Leia and Luke back. That is one of the things that is good about this film that is really cool. Like having the original cast back Mm -hmm. is like, if they wouldn't have done that, I would be anti. I would be against it totally. Yeah. I'd be like, nope, no George and no original cast. I'm done. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and all, you know, the whole crew's back is exciting. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to elevate it a lot because all those people are really great actors. Mm -hmm. They're just really good, you know, well, you know, just well respected and talented. They know what they're doing. They know these characters. Um, And I think that's going to help it a lot. Yeah. So it, if the movie does well, it's going to be on the backs of them, mostly. And John Williams. And John Williams, exactly. And the new people, like, I'm not against them. Mm-hmm. It could be great. But it's like, that doesn't really matter to me. Right. You know, if, that, if that's just like a little bonus. Cool. Um, well, I think that'll uh, wrap us up. Yeah, sounds good, man. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Also, Attack of the Clones is terrible, just so you know. I was wondering... Yeah, how long it was going to take for that to show up. It's the worst of all of them. You know that, right? That's what everyone tells me. Because it is. That's, that's what I'm told. All right, cool.
Cool. Thanks, man. Yep. All right, and we are back um, to talk about Star Wars Episode Five. Cinco. Cinco, indeed. The Empire Strikes Back, and man, what some may call a perfect sequel. Um, this movie is incredible. I feel like it took everything the original Star Wars gave us, and you guys just heard how much we gush- gushed about that, and it just upped the ante. Um, like MJ pointed out last time, I feel like it does a really good job of like, Luke is this kind of like, in the first movie, he's not like completely a blank slate, but he's very much like the character the audience relates to in being pulled into this bigger world. And in this movie, we finally start to see like a lot more of his character get fleshed out. But since we're already invested, it's kind of like we're going on this journey with him. Um, and so kind of how the movie starts out is it starts on Hoth. Um, we see the rebel base there and... Um, we we see kind of like how they are how they are positioning in terms of like their strategy against the empire and what they're gonna do, and uh, we start out with this scene where Luke is out here on a uh, just forgot tauntaun tauntaun there we go. Oh. Luke is out here on this tauntaun and you know he's kind of teamed up with the rebels and we we get to see this sweet opening scene with like him and like the the ice monster what is that thing called Wampa Wampa yes. And um, we kind of see how that that is interplaying. And so after after a little bit, we see the Empire attacks Hoth. Um, and it kind of like positions them to like, okay, we have to get out of here. We have to abandon the space. The Empire has found us. And so it's kind of like at that point where we see um, Luke and Han and Leia, like, you know, they're all still together. But we see them kind of break off. And this is where the movie kind of, like, we see things happening on multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. And it's just awesome how masterfully this is hand- handled. Um, so we have the Battle of Hoth. The Empire kind of, like, shows up and, like, blows everything up. And everyone's able to get out of there, like, just in the nick of time. Um, you know, we, we're seeing all this character development between Han and Leia and Luke. And so... As Luke is flying off, he gets told that he needs to go to the Dagobah system. And he gets told that by Ben. And he's like, you need to find Yoda. And he's like this trainer of Jedis. And he will help you to to harness the Force and to be a Jedi, you know, who can stand up to Vader. And so as Luke is, you know, heading off to Dagobah to do that, Han, Han and Leia and Chewie, uh, the rest of them, they are... Where are they doing that gets them over to Cloud City? Well, they end up in an asteroid field. Yeah. Um, and then they go to visit Lando on Cloud City. Because the hyperdrive is broken, yes. right? Yeah. So, you know, they they kind of have some maneuvering trying to, you know, stay, like, under the radar against the Empire. And so they end up going to Cloud City where Han has an old buddy, Lando. Um, and kind of from that point we see the Empire kind of come in and strong-arm Lando to basically say, like, you know, we're chasing Leia and we're chasing, you know, the Millennium Falcon and stuff, and you're going to turn them over to us. And so we see this happen, and we kind of see, like, you know, basically Han come face-to-face with Darth Vader. Um, and as that is going on, we see we see Luke in his story. He's found Yoda in the Dagobah system, and kind of like, you know... Yoda's this this mysterious but kind of like funny person and we don't really know about him and as they continue to train Luke starts to see it's like wow this guy's the real deal he is a serious Jedi 
And so we see like Yoda and all of his wisdom and all these things that he has to say to Luke, to Luke. And we start to see these like deeper themes kind of like come about of like, you know, using the force and like the darkness within Luke and kind of having to face his fears. And so all these things, like I said, are running parallel. Um, we're seeing like the back and forth and it's just handled so well. And so these things kind of culminate where like Darth Vader over in Cloud City has taken Han and Leia and all of them captive. And Han is actually going to be put into Carbonite because Vader plans to trap Luke using this Carbonite machine. And he's going to lure him there because he has his friends and he knows that like, I can manipulate Luke and he has the force, but he's inexperienced and I can draw him to me and try to bring him to the dark side. And so as Vader is doing that and setting the stage to, to take them over, we see, we see more of Han and Leia, like their love story really kind of coming to the forefront of that and just seeing like, wow, they've really developed a lot of characters. And so as that is happening, Luke is in the midst of his training and he says, I have to go, you know, and this is Vader, like his plan is working. He's like, I sense my friends are in danger. Master Yoda, I have to leave. I have to go help them. And Yoda is like, you're not ready yet. You can't do that. Like, this would be an arrogant move. You can't do this. You're not ready to face Vader. And Luke says, I have to. I have to go protect my friends. So he leaves from Dagobah. And finally, all of the paths converge at Cloud City. And we have the first showdown between Vader and Luke. And it's it's epic. It's awesome. It's raw motion. The The action is amazing. And the cool thing is that Luke doesn't win. Everything happens that Yoda said. It's like you're not ready to face Vader. And, you know, that comes also with, like, this awesome twist of, like, Vader is his father. And we find out, like, you know, Vader has been trying to turn him to the dark side. And all this stuff culminates right there in that scene, you know, in Cloud City. And so... After after that fight and that confrontation, Luke is like, I can't win, so I'd rather kill myself. And, you know, he falls down and he ends up surviving kind of at like the the bottom precipice of Cloud City. And after that, we get this really cool scene that kind of alludes to like Luke reaching out through the force to Leia. And it's kind of like, you know, the first whispers of like, oh, are they, you know, like, are they related or Leia can use the force? And, you know, like, you know, now we all have the common knowledge of like, oh, yeah, Luke and Leia, the brother and sister. But back then it was like, this was crazy. So he reaches out to her and we see Leia and Lando and Chewie who have escaped because Lando has kind of like, you know, used his powers to help them escape as Vader is like, you know, capturing, like trying to take out, like get a hold of Luke and turn him. We see them come back and rescue Luke. And then the movie kind of ends. They're in this medical bay. And it's just kind of like, wow, we all got rocked. And we have no idea what to expect. But, like, this is kind of like the closing chapter on, like, these events. And it's just a very kind of, like, somber. Like, they're just looking out. There's no plan of, like, where are we going to do next? What's going to happen? It's just, like, this reality that the Empire has struck a huge blow. And, I mean, like, hence the title, it's just like in in multiple ways on multiple fronts and it's just the movie just leaves you there it's not like here's some happy resolution it's just like one and done chabam um and so yeah that's the general premise of empire strikes back 
So, MJ, let's jump into what works in this film. Uh, literally everything. <laughs> um, this movie is, like you said, a perfect sequel, right? It expands the universe. Yep. Um, <clears throat> it shows us new planets. It shows us, uh, you know, that some time has passed. It shows us uh, a different story with these same characters. These characters feel like they grow over the course of the movie. They feel like they've grown in between movies. There are new relationships that are forged, you know, and we're kind of thrown in the middle of it, expecting to know what it is. Like the, the, the movie doesn't pander to us as an audience and say, Oh, back in the battle of Yavin, (laughs) blah, 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 when this happened. And that's why you're like this. It's just like, Hey, this is how we interact now. You know, we've been through it. (laughs) We've been through some stuff as, as a group of people. And, now this is this is the way we interact because of that. Yeah. Han and Leia have a different relationship than they did before. It's a lot quicker, it's a lot yeah. quippier. They jab at each other a little bit more. They're meaner to each other. Yeah. Um it's it's more flirtatious. There's there's a, a budding romance between them. Luke isn't as whiny. He's yeah. he's a little bit more battle-hardened. Um he's still very prideful as we see like he still hasn't completed his hero's journey yet. Yeah. And it, it makes for some interesting stuff. He's in this weird spot, um, this almost adolescence, right? <laughs> yeah. He's still a, he's still in this 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 basic adolescence because when you're an adolescent, you kind of you kind of know how the world works. <laughs> yeah. And but you feel like you know how it works more than you do, and you really don't. Yep. And that's what we <laughs> see in Luke. Like the entire arc of Luke is a metaphor for becoming an adult. Yeah. I mean, he's 19 in the New Hope, but he's basically a child. Yeah. You know, he's in a state of arrested development, and now he's. <laughs> He's basically a teenager in this one, and then he's an adult who knows how to take care of himself in the third one. Yeah. So Luke's, you know, this interesting combination between, like, man and child still. (laughs) Um, You know, he's willing to do what it takes up to a point. Yeah. And then he lets his emotions get the better of him. Um, which is interesting because the force is all about feelings. Yeah. And then his feelings get a hold of him and Yoda's like, no, you have to keep those under control. Yeah. And so that's like a really interesting thing. Um, it's the introduction of Yoda, right? This is yeah. the first time we ever see Yoda, even though there are three prequels now. Yeah. There weren't always. <laughs> and so like Yoda's like this like weird little hermit guy. And yeah. he's like kind of weird and like kind of funny, but also you're like, what the hell? Like, yeah. what is this character? <laughs> um, you know, like freaking out about the flashlight and like smashing yeah. R2-D2 with his cane like he's been isolated on Dagobah for a long time yeah and so he doesn't really know how to interact with a lot of other life forms and yeah. that shows like the characterization in this movie is really what makes it yeah and I, I think um we talked about this on the Pixar podcast or the follow-up the after good mm-hmm. dinosaur episode I recently watched Toy Story 2 and much like Toy Story 2, or much like The Empire Strikes Back, I guess. Yeah. The character interactions are what makes this movie. These mm-hmm. characters interact so well with each other. There's a huge chunk of time yeah. where these are the only characters that are on screen, right? It's We get the introduction of Yoda and that's it. But then we get a lot of time with Han and Leia and Chewie in the asteroid field. It goes on for a while. Yeah. And so we just, you know, there's we know the characters <laughs> because of the first one already. Now we just get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. It doesn't really advance a quote story along in the in those scenes. It's just hanging out with these people. Yeah. You know, it's just getting you invested in them. And then we go to Cloud City and we advance the story along. Yeah. And I I just think 
like you were saying, it's like it advances the character arcs. We get a couple new people, primarily Yoda. We do get Lando. But it's just, it's not so much that it's like overwhelming. And Boba Fett. Yeah, and Boba Fett. Um, but it's very much like, okay, this is kind of like, you know, we're focusing on Luke in this lane, and we've got Han and Leia in this lane, and it, it's just, it's just done so well mm-hmm. that we feel like we get to know them more. It's like, yeah, we saw the first movie, and it was kind of like, yeah, you know, they're doing this adventure, and it's cool, but in this movie, we really get to know them. Yeah. And I feel like that is, you know, that's just one of the things that makes Empire like a perfect sequel along with just like you know technically it is just it's a brilliant movie i feel like the pacing is just like near perfect it's crazy yeah it's like just when you feel like okay if this goes on like a couple more minutes it's going to be too long we're back with like whoever else okay we're back with luke and dagobah or it's like okay this scene in dagobah is kind of like you know i've seen the same thing we're in the swamp da 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 okay oh now we're back in cloud city and it's just like it's just done so well where I don't feel like I'm like jolted from one to the other, but it's just like the perfect timing of like, oh yeah, that was a great time for a scene change. Um, you know, visually again, it just looks great. I feel like a lot of the stuff holds up. You know, there's a few things, you know, it's like, oh yeah, like it's 2015, but overall, like just a lot of the practical effects still work. The ad-ats look incredible yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That uh, whole battle on yeah, that Hoth scene is it's so good, it, man. Um, it's just amazing. Um, a lot of the and then yeah, it's just a lot of the like the character like relationships. They just are so deep. Like I just love like Luke and Yoda and just all the stuff that Yoda has to teach him. Um, you know, just about like you know you can't jump the gun on this and like it doesn't matter like your size it matters like you know like when he like lifts the the x-wing out of the swamp and it's just like you know and just like do or do not you know there is no try just a lot of these things that really help like cement luke as like the jedi he's going to be in the next film and it's kind of cool i feel like it's kind of cool seeing luke in that kind of adolescence kind of between like you know, oh yeah, like the beginning of the movie, I'll use like a blaster and I'm more of like kind of who I was on Tatooine. And then like you kind of see that juxtaposed with like you're learning about the force. And there's obviously like he understands like, oh, this is a thing and I can do stuff with it, but I don't have complete control over it. And they kind of flip that in uh, episode three. Yeah. When Obi-Wan uses a blaster to kill General Grievous and he gets up and he looks at him and goes, so, uh, what did he say? So... Uh, primitive or so unwieldy or something yeah something like and he just like throws it aside like that is not the weapon for me yeah he's either never handled a blaster or it's been forever because he's been a jedi yeah and so you get that like kind of colored in on the on the sides and if you watch the prequels yeah so that's yeah that's really cool so i think that's just a really cool thing with luke's character and then on on the inverse we have han and leia growing in their relationship we're kind of just seeing like more of who they are, and then we see we see Han, this guy who's kind of like disbelieved in the Force. He's kind of like this rogue character. He doesn't do stuff. He literally comes face to face with Darth Vader, so you know it's like he's like oh, old, like in the first movie, like he's like oh, old religions and whatever. It's like oh, that yeah. stuff doesn't work. It's just like all you need is like a good blaster by your side. He literally 
you know, basically his worldview gets shattered in that scene. Yeah. You know, the doors open, he sees Vader, pulls his blaster, shoots him, and it's just like, that doesn't work. Vader force pulls it out of his hand, and it's just like, so glad you could join us. Yeah. And it's just like, that, that that's just awesome. Just... Just how you see, like, Han's growth even in, like, that scene. Even though it's not, like, directly addressed. You see, it's like, this is a real thing. The Force is real. Like, you know, the stuff Luke and, like, you know, Obi-Wan was talking about. That stuff is real. It's not just the Empire. So I just think, like, the characterization that the movie has, it's just... It's done so well with, like, the growth of these characters. And just so many different themes. And, like, the love story is compelling between him and Leia. And... Like I said, I like, you know, I like kind of the darker ending of the film. Mm. Um, I just like, you know, I like that it doesn't have to end happy. I like that it's like our heroes really just like, hey guys, we did not do well on that one. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, you know, this last scene is just kind of them consoling each other and just kind of like, okay, well, we'll have to try that again, you know. But it's kind of like, it's kind of the... I guess kind of the completion of this story because like Lucas found out like I was rash and I should have died and you know like he's kind of he's kind of matured in that sense of like Yoda was right Mm -hmm. even though like there's not a scene where he's like he's back with Yoda and he's like you were right I shouldn't have gone it's like he realizes that you know in 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 those like closing scenes it's like yeah I shouldn't have taken on Vader so Ugh, it's just so many good things. Like I said, I feel like it's just, like, a perfect sequel to Star Wars. Yeah. Is there anything that doesn't work for you? Um. Honestly, no. I mean, I feel like I could, I feel like I could nitpick some things, but. I, I don't know, I. You know, I hear some people talk about, like, some of the beginning stuff on Hoth isn't necessary, but, like, I would disagree and say, um, yeah, it is. We still kind of see, like, Luke has grown some, but it's also character growth for Han, because mm-hmm. we get to see, like, hey, he's willing to come after his friends, and he's more of a team player than, like, kind of how he was in the first movie. It's like, yeah, he came back and helped with the Death Star, but you kind of see it's like, oh, he's more committed to this cause and these people, so it's like, I feel like you'd lose that if you cut that out. But I don't really feel like there's anything in this movie that you could cut or anything that's like a glaring problem. Mm-hmm. What about you? The only thing, and this is going to be real strange, it's <laughs> barely a complaint. Um, and it's not that it doesn't work. I don't, and it's not that I don't like it. I love it. But the 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 somber ending, yeah. it's not very satisfying. I know that's the point, and it gets across <laughs> very well. But if I I can't just watch Empire, you know, I can just watch Star Wars and be fine. Yeah. If I watch Empire, I have to watch Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So it's a, a two movie commitment if I want to watch Empire. Yeah. Know? Um, which is fine. It's the middle piece of an overall trilogy. It feels like a middle piece. It should be a middle piece. Yeah. That's fine. But there's just, you know, I can't just catch it on TV and then be satisfied yeah. when it's over, you know. I have to watch him or Return of the Jedi soon after. Also, I'm just, it's going to be this, like, dangling end. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, like I said, it's wonderful. It's not that it doesn't work. It's not that that shouldn't be the way it ends. It's a perfect ending for that movie. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, 
Well, I'm gonna watch Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Which I'm happy to do, but sometimes it's like, when do I have time for that? Yeah, it's like I don't have time to do that. You know, <laughs> I can watch Star Wars and just be like, yeah, Death Star, F the uh, Empire. <laughs> you don't get that in Empire at all. Nope. You're just kind of like, wow, that sucked. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's it for me. Yeah. As far as dislikes. Yeah, and like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I honestly feel like. I, I kind of go back and forth with which is my favorite of the original trilogy between Empire and Return of the Jedi, but Empire is clearly, I think, the better film. Yes. Technically, thematically, I think it is the better film. It's the it's the best Star Wars movie out of all six. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it just is. Everything works. Um, the characters emotionally work. We spend enough time with them. Uh, the practical effects look good. The pacing, the scene composition, the action, like, it's just, it's just really good. Yeah. I, I, there's nothing I can, there's nothing I can really, you know, nitpick about it, so. Yep. All right, well, <clears throat> I guess that wraps it up for uh, Empire Strikes Back. And so we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to tackle the last, uh, Last one in the room, Return of the Jedi. Sounds good. Uh, hey, everyone. We're here with uh, myself, MJ Smith, and Corey Tyndall. Yep. Um, and we're joined by Robert Mayo. Hello, everyone. And Brian Taylor. Hello. And this is uh, this is an interview about Star Wars, basically, um, or a conversation about, about Star Wars. So... Uh, Corey, you and I, uh, people will get our thoughts a, a little bit yes. more in depth uh, <laughs> over the course of the episode. So, Robert and Brian, this is really going to be uh, you guys uh, mm-hmm. talking. But so, I mean, first off, what I mean, Star Wars is iconic, right? And uh, so, what what makes it iconic to you? Like, why do you think it survived? You know, forty years, and I, um, it's just a really good story of. Uh good versus evil and and that's something that always withstands the test of time it never it goes out of style um uh, and also it goes beyond it's not just as simple as being um like good and evil there's more depth to it um depending on uh going into all the political stuff behind like how Mm -hmm. the empire that came to being and, and took over and but also I really like um, that there's really a, a variety of characters mm-hmm. in the movies. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to uh, someone in the, the Star Wars movies. I think the, the variety of locations, too, that span over the movies. Cool. Um, Robert? Well, I think it's withstood so long because it's, you know, it's basically just a modern-day mythological story. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's this generation's King Arthur. So it's just... And like Brian said, it's got a lot of depth to it. It's got a lot of world building or universe building mm-hmm. to it. Um, all the little tiny details and, you know, the griminess, it feels real, not necessarily so fake. Well, the prequel's a little bit fake. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was one thing I noticed about episode one that we just watched is uh, they redid the visuals for the Blu-ray and it seemed like they took some of the griminess out of it and it almost felt like plastic against the set pieces instead of actual (laughs) vehicles or droids or whatever it was. I also think when it was first introduced it was very inventive Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
like, but it was like relatable but inventive. Like laser swords weren't really a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least not in the sense of a lightsaber, but now lightsabers are swords. Like that's just what kids want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, like there was knights with the swords, but the knights were also monks, kind of. Yeah, um, yeah. and. You know, you've got all these different character tropes that are kind of meshed and blended, but so it's all very familiar, but it was all fresh and new yeah. at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's it was even even for people like you know like my dad, for example, he is not into sci-fi at all, and like you know, Star Wars is probably like the most accessible sci-fi film he will ever have seen. Yeah. You know, and so I feel like there's a lot of people where it it casts the net very wide and people are like, oh, I can watch this and not feel like I'm completely sci-fied out or lost, you know? So I think that benefited the films a lot too, why people were like, oh yeah, I want to go see that. I think it has a, a lot, a little bit of everything to please all audiences. It has your action, adventure, it has some romance, uh, comedy, drama, it just has a little bit of everything just to, I think, appeases uh, all audiences. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that leading into today. Um, I was I was talking to um, my wife right before I came over here, and and this is a this is going to be a really strange road. So just follow <laughs> um, I was talking to my wife about how Corey, you and your wife just watched Big Hero Six yeah. last, last night. Yeah, um, and and you hadn't you, you both of you hadn't seen it. Before, so good, go watch you, it. Yes, if you haven't seen it. Um, and I was thinking about that movie, and I was like, that movie I feel like has something for everyone. Like, yeah, I think there's that movie's like so all encompassing. And I was like, man, they they talk about like, you know, you should be only playing to a certain audience but that movie works I think for almost anyone yeah and I was thinking about these movies and these movies work for almost anyone because there's something for everyone in both of yeah. those um, you know I don't know if Big Hero 6 is as great as Star Wars or and it certainly is not as iconic and it will not be which yeah. is a little sad because I love that movie but it's I also really get good. it yeah <laughs> um, but yeah like the, the something for everyone thing I think is important like those are the movies that kind of stand the, the test of time well I was going <laughs> to say one more thing about yeah. that I think we can't overlook the uh, the care and the intensity that went in making the first one mm-hmm. A New Hope um, as far as like everyone's behind the scenes involvement there was a lot of attention to detail and like everyone cared about what they were working on you can tell they cared yeah um, they didn't have as you know great a budget as they had for the rest of the movies on that one but they made it very well um, all the set pieces, the droids, like, there was time spent developing that first movie. So yeah. I think that also, like, people recognized that back then. And, you know, now it's just kind of been ingrained, like, people tell their kids about Star Wars and introduce it through that way. That's why it's so recognizable. Back then, I think people appreciated all the work that went into that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. They brought their A-game. Yeah. Everybody did. That would have blown my mind. <laughs> Like putting yourself in a movie theater in May of 1977, yeah, movie, especially with those visuals. Yeah. yeah, gosh, I can't even imagine what that must have been like seeing that for the first time. You're like, what is this? Yeah. Um, okay, so what are, what are some of your guys' favorite Star Wars movies? Uh, mine's Return of the Jedi. Okay. No specific reason. I just remember <laughs> that that was my favorite as a kid, and it's always been my favorite. Yeah. I think mine's A New Hope. Okay. I really like the Death Star attack at the end. Mm. Some of my favorites. And 
I guess just being the original. Um, but it's close with uh, Empire Strikes Back. Just, okay. Yeah. Um, mine is Return of the Jedi as well. I, I would probably agree with you guys. I feel like I go back and forth between Empire and Return of the Jedi, but definitely growing up, uh, Return of the Jedi was my favorite, and it was the one I've seen the most. I watched it all the time. I also think that one sticks because that's like the one where Luke triumphs. Yeah. Like, there's that, you finally reach that mm-hmm. um, climax of the good guys winning. Yeah. Um, and I think probably as kids, we were just like, this is cool because the good guys are winning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it didn't, like, it It was this weird, like, subconscious thing where, like, I think in the back of your mind, you kind of knew, like, oh, this is, like, the end of a three-part story, but, like, you didn't really, like, know, like, we didn't know anything about structure yeah. when, when we were that <laughs> age, you know? It was just, like, it just felt like, you felt the journey, even though you didn't, like, realize it, like, it yeah. didn't register with you. Yeah, that makes sense. It's actually the first, very first one I ever saw. So that kind of spoiled mm. the whole Darth Vader oh. being. <laughs> so I knew that before seeing Empire. Did you see that one in theaters? No, oh, it's okay. just one that came out on, on VHS. Okay. And ended up seeing that one first, and eventually I was able to see other ones, and everything made more sense. But um, seeing how Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi just wasn't—you could tell he was already starting to turn somewhat. He wasn't as mean and dark like in the, the New Hope mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah seeing that eventually where he, he finally turns back to the light side after you know right before dying um, remember that and just the whole battle at the end having the three different um, fronts where you had like Endor mm-hmm. and you had the, the Death Star battle mm-hmm. and, and then the lightsaber uh, between Luke and, and Darth Vader I thought that was really well done yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we just saw kind of like he kind of upped the ante in episode one. There's a forefront battle going on mm-hmm. that's yeah. like really well put together. Um, I think like watching it again, I was like, man, this would have been a nightmare to like make it make sense and put it together and like chop it up. And it was it's it's really good. Like, uh, and I I like what you said there about. Uh, Vader turning after he reveals that it's his father. Like, there's like a great father son story at the heart of the original trilogy yeah. that really makes it like, really makes it work. Like watching all three of them through that lens is is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your least favorite things about Star Wars? Not necessarily a movie that's your least favorite, because <laughs> um, I think even though we just yes. watched it and appreciated it, I think we might all agree it might be one. Yeah. Yeah. Brian and I were talking about that earlier, and we were going back between one and two. Oh, okay. Like, which one is... Like, they're both kind of at the bottom. They might be the same, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for different reasons. Yeah. All the young Anakin actors, not very good. Hayden's not much better. He's good in the third one, when he starts to become evil. He's not great, but he's, you know, good enough. He's good at giving us a good evil scowl. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, Mark Hamill's not great in four, either. He's way more likable. Than Hayden Christensen. Yeah. So you forgive a lot, but like, he's kind of, he's not bad, but he's not amazing. In yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Jar Jar, but probably need to go there. Uh, everyone knows. <laughs> 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 uh, I understand why he was put in there um, for the kids, mm-hmm. get them more involved into the stories. I know 
I might find the same reason why the Ewoks I think are put in the Return of Jedi. A lot of people hate on them, but I don't have a problem with those. Um, I, I think the Attack of Clones. There's some parts that I have kind of problems with. Um, one being the love story, the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the dialogue, love story. Um, I'm sorry, MJ. <laughs> I think just the whole clone thing in general, like why they're trying, they, how to justify or kind of show how the Imperial, the stormtroopers came into existence in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a weird way to go about it. They never tie but, up that story, right? I promise I don't hate the prequels. I just <laughs> yeah, Brian, you brought up characters. I mean, obviously there are tons of iconic characters, but um, what do you guys? I mean, what are some of your guys' favorite characters? Oh yeah, there's such a variety. Uh, I think one of my favorites is probably uh, Max Rebo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like Yoda. Yeah. And um, Yoda and Darth Vader is probably my favorite character. I, I like the whole transition from um, at least when he goes dark, turns when Anakin turns into Darth Vader, and then the whole over the the uh, original trilogy, him like slowly turning back. You can see him getting a little more, trying to get um, turn Luke at first. And then when that's not working, he's slowly Luke gets him to turn back to the light. And I, I like that whole trans, uh, transition over, actually, over old movies from being an innocent boy turning dark and then going back. Yeah. My favorite character has always been Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I like that he's, like, very adept with a sword, but also very wise in his decision-making. Um, so he's got both things going for him uh, he knows like when to fight and when not to fight mm-hmm. um, and then I've also always had a very strong affinity for R2 mm. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a 3D puzzle of him yeah <laughs> nothing is sweet yeah yeah um, but I was just thinking about it R2 like if he didn't exist I don't think any of the issues would exist <laughs> that happen. That's true. Because I was thinking, well, Luke wouldn't be able to like survive without R2. Yeah. Um, but then going back, R2 was Anakin's beforehand, and Anakin probably wouldn't have been able to survive without R2 yep. <laughs> doing the things he does. So it's all because of R2 that anything happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if R2 uh, wouldn't have fixed the Queen's ship when they're leaving Naboo, they all would have died and there would have been no Star Wars. Yep, right. So even that, <laughs> like from the beginning, it's R2 all R2 saved the day. But also totally ruined it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the one that... So he's the mastermind behind the entire thing. Yep. Right. R2 is a Sith. That's our that's our fan well, theory. Good, yeah. good triumphs in the end. So yeah. R2's just God. In the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> or George Lucas. And see, he's a repair droid. He's always fixing things, and George Lucas couldn't stop fixing Star Wars. Oh, yeah. He just had to keep coming back. So first off, take us back to when they first announced Disney got Lucasfilm. Disney's acquired Lucasfilm, and they're going to fast-track production on 7, 8, and 9. Like, what, what was your initial reaction to that? I thought I was happy because I thought if anyone could do it, Right, I thought it'd be, Disney would be be able to do it. They've done. I was kind of disappointed in how George Lucas, even though he created the whole universe, how he 
did the the prequels, mm-hmm. and I thought um, that Disney uh, I thought would be really uh, good at bringing it back to where more like the original. Mm-hmm. I was excited but skeptical, uh, just because like. At that point, I trusted Disney because Marvel had done so well under mm-hmm. their direction, or, you know, supervision, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't think it was in bad hands, but then I was just like, I don't know if they're really going to do a serviceable job just because George Lucas wanted nothing to do with it. And I know people give George Lucas a bunch of crap. I just gave him crap. But, <laughs> like, there's no Star Wars without George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. seem to have forgotten that. Yeah. Like, he created all of this. Yeah, it's his world. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was just, you know, a little uneven on how I felt about them moving forward without him. Now that we're seeing trailers and they announced, like, oh, yeah, all three of them are back. Like, yeah. You know, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and Hans, uh, Hans Solo, Harrison yep. Ford. Um, <laughs> that was the one that blew my mind because, like, Harrison Ford hates that character. Yeah, he tried to get Lucas to write him out of Return of the Jedi, like, kill his character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he hates it. And, like, for a long time I heard he never signed Han Solo photos um, and stuff like that. And so, like, hearing that he was coming back, it was like, what the heck? Like, they <laughs> must have something. Like, are they blackmailing him? <laughs> yeah. Or, Disney magic. Yeah. Like, this script must be out of control good or something. Um, well, and, Disney showed up at his door. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The grave. They're doing this movie <laughs> yeah uh, so that was that was that was completely mind-blowing to me and that was the kind of the start of the ball rolling i'm like well maybe they have something especially if they got harrison to come back maybe they have something um so what so now that you guys are seeing stuff what do you guys think um i felt the same way i got i was being more skeptical early on until when i learned that they they signed the original three actors and when harrison ford was on board then i got more excited and then once I saw the uh, the first trailer, uh, it came back out in like May, I guess. Well, there was the teaser that came out on Thanksgiving last year. Yeah, there was a teaser, and then they came out with an actual trailer mm-hmm. like in May. After seeing that, and they had Harrison Ford uh, that the India bit where he said uh, Chewie were home. <laughs> oh <laughs> and that yeah, that got me really excited about it. Just seeing that. And, and of course, seeing the second trailer got me even more pumped up to... That second trailer is ridiculous. Yeah. It's really good. So good. Yeah. Uh, what was the question? Um, just that, like now that you're starting to see this stuff, like, and, and obviously more and more is coming out. Almost too much is coming out, I feel yeah. like, at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm but, surprised with that much they're releasing. Yeah, I am too. Um, but, you know, also, same people who do Marvel, and Marvel tends to oversaturate the market, too. Um, so with all that coming yeah, out, like, yeah, I'm excited to see it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as good as the original three. I, you just, I don't even know if it's fair to put them on that same mm. plane of comparison. Um, but I expect it to be better than the prequels, um, only because I think it's continuing the story from the original trilogy. It's not mm-hmm. continuing the story from the prequels, mm-hmm. and the story in the original trilogy is so much stronger than the prequels mm-hmm. because it's not bogged down in the dialogue yeah. and convoluted political stuff yeah and, um, but I'm a little weary of like the bad guy <laughs> I'm Kylo excited Man. for Kylo <laughs> um, I just don't know that much about that actor if he's any good or anything I don't know yeah. I haven't seen anything he's in but the way he looks bugs me so. he's real goofy looking yeah 
he seems too young. I don't know if he is young, but he seems too young yeah. to be the big bad guy. And obviously he's not. I mean, I know Yeah. Um, Andy Serkis is in there doing some big bad guy Jar Jar stuff or something. <laughs> <laughs> I will stand up and clap in the middle of this movie if it's just like Andy Serkis as Jar Jar. Sith Jar Jar. <laughs> oh, man. Cool. Um, so I think we're kind of at the end of the journey there. Um, so thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. All right. And we're back for one final time. Cool. Uh, yep. And uh, now we're going to be talking about the last installment in the original trilogy, um, which is episode six, Return of the Jedi. Um, arguably, probably my favorite um, of the Star Wars films. Um, so, yeah, um, this this is... This is the culmination that we've been waiting for in this trilogy. And so, kind of to set the stage, um, all the stuff in Empire has transpired. We leave our heroes in this kind of just state of shock. Like, wow, that happened. We got destroyed. (laughs) Um, And the movie starts off with us um, going to Tatooine. And... Man, I I love this part of the movie. But we go to Tatooine. We start off with R2-D2 and C-3PO. And they're just kind of like out here walking around, doing stuff. And you're like, what's going on? Where where is everybody else? This is a weird choice to start with them. But we see them, and they get up to this palace. And you're like, what's going on? And we see that they have been sent to Jabba's palace um, by Luke, actually, we find out. They go in and they talk to Jabba, and R2 has a message that says, um, you know, I want you to release Han Solo, and if you don't, like, you know, basically, like, there will be a price to pay. And Jabba just, like, laughs it off, and he's just like, whatever, I don't care, I don't believe you. Jedi are, like, a myth of old. They don't, they don't really exist. And so, this kind of sets the stage for this first whole sequence of where Princess Leia... And uh, Lando Calrissian, who is there undercover, and um, Luke all kind of converge on Jabba's palace. And so we have Lando there undercover. We have Leia bringing in Chewie as kind of like her entrance to get into Jabba's palace. And she's dressed as a bounty hunter. Um, And she kind of comes in there and like strong arms Jabba. And he's just like, oh, I like your spunk. And so that's how she gets in. And then we have, um, well, it's, does she get she gets found out first before Luke shows up, right? Uh, yes, I think so. Yes, okay, that's what I thought. So after she has got found her way in and kind of like, oh yeah, she ditches her costume and goes to free Han from the Carbonite, and so he comes out and they have this scene of like, who is this? And he's just like, you know, it's the person who loves you. And so, after that, Jabba, you know, they're not able to escape. He shows up, and Leia is taken prisoner. Han is, you know, thrown in prison with Chewie, and it just kind of seems like all hope is lost. Then, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, we have a mysterious guy clothed in black who shows up and just kind of basically walks through the palace doors. Jedi minds tricks people. And he makes his way into uh, Jabba's kind of like, you know, the center of his chambers. And he unveils himself and it's Luke. And Luke is so B.A. in this movie. He's just basically like, 
Jabba, I'm here to fulfill what I said on the message that I sent with R2. If you don't release Captain Solo, you know, like, you know, there will be a price to pay. This is, you know, this is like your last chance. And he's like, I don't believe in Jedi, da da da, whatever. And so he drops Luke into the Rancor pit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And here is kind of where we get to see, like, some of Luke, you know, in his first, like, action sequence as a Jedi. And it's kind of cool because it's not with a lightsaber, but we just get to see Luke and kind of his quick thinking and how he figures out how to, to beat this Rancor. And I always thought, like, oh, that's kind of strange. Why doesn't he use his lightsaber? But I think I appreciate it more, you know, like, like as an adult. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just kind of showing, like, how he has matured as, like, you know a Jedi and, like, a tactician and how he's able to, you know, kill the Rancor without a lightsaber. So that happens. Jabba's like, what? He killed the Rancor. He's thrown in... Luke is thrown into prison with Han and Chewie. And um, Han is just like, I don't... I have no idea what you're going to do. Like, what? we're not going to be able to get out of here. So um, the next scene, we cut over to Jabba's sail barge. And uh, this is probably one of the most epic, memorable scenes in Return of the Jedi, where they're out here on Jabba's sail barge, and um, they're about to be dropped into the Sarlacc pit, and Luke is, you know, making his last speech, and he's like, you know, Jabba, this is your last chance to surrender, and Jabba's just like, whatever, you're a Jedi, you, you can't do anything, you know, Jedi aren't real, and so... He proceeds to drop Luke into the Sarlacc pit, and so Luke does this awesome thing where R2 is, like, positioned on the barge, and all the music is still and stuff, and, you know, Luke jumps off the thing, and he, he like, turns around and, like, flips off the board, and R2 shoots his lightsaber in the air, and the music is swelling, and, oh, it's so good. He catches it and basically just kind of, like, wrecks Jabba's ship. Um, you know, Han and Chewie get free, and Lando helps them. And, you know, Princess Leia in a moment of awesomeness, like, strangles Jabba and like, the... Oh, yeah. In the now controversial uh, Princess Leia bikini outfit that is being talked about. But she strangles him because she doesn't want to wear it, just so you guys know. And uh, kills him, and they end up blowing up the sail barge, and it's awesome. Um, so, from there, we see the Emperor show up to oversee... Um, the construction of this new Death Star. Why they're building the second one, I don't know. Yeah, real unclear on the motivation on that. Yeah, the first one didn't work, so you'd think maybe we'd try something else. I don't know. But the Emperor shows up to see um, the progress that is being made, and we kind of get to see Darth Vader in this cool, like, we finally see him, like, subservient to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because up till then, it's like we've seen, like, hints of the Emperor, but we've never actually seen them on screen together. Mm -hmm. So to see, we see Darth Vader kind of, like, you know, say, okay, this is what's going on, all this stuff. Um, and, you know, they're devising a plan to turn Luke to the dark side. Um, and so we cut back from that to Luke back with Han and Leia and talking with the Rebels about how they're going to proceed because they've had some some plans smuggled to them about this new Death Star that's being built and how they're going to attack it. But this new Death Star has some new, like, shielding mechanisms, and so there's... There's multiple layers of how, if they're going to attack it, they're going to have to do different stuff. So there has to be a ground team and there has to be an air team. And so Han, Luke, and Leia end up going with this ground team that is going to go to Endor. And uh, Lando and the other, like, kind of fish guy. <laughs> What's his name? 
Not Admiral Akbar, the other guy? The other guy. I don't know the other guy's name. The other guy. Some other guy um, are, like, the leaders of the air team that are going to, like, actually fly on the Death Star. So we cut from that to they go to Endor, Luke, Han, and Leia, and they go to kind of disable the shields on Endor's moon, and... This is where they kind of have some fun speeder bike chases, which are pretty sweet, and we run into the Ewoks. And so um, we have some little fun scenes with them where, like, they capture Luke and Han, and um, Leia is, like, their princess or something. They do her hair differently. I don't know. And uh, C-3PO's there, and they think he's a god, and Luke uses his, like, force powers to, you know, help them think C-3PO's in charge, and anyway, so they have this fun moment with the Ewoks and stuff, and the Ewoks agree to help them fight the Emperor, and so we have this this battle on Endor, and kind of as this is going on, Luke um, kind of defects from them because he's like, I have to go talk to Vader, I know Vader is here for me, and at the same time, you know, Darth Vader goes to Endor, to find Luke. And so Luke branches off and he ends up talking to Darth Vader and says, like, Father, you know, there's still good in you. I want to turn you back and all this stuff. So more on their arc. Back on back on Endor, we see the rebels kind of struggling to beat the the Empire and to disable the shields. And, and on the space front, we see that the rebels are moving in to destroy the Death Star. But little to their surprise... Um, they find out that the Death Star is more operational than they think. And so they kind of have to do some quick maneuvering to kind of say, like, we have to wait for Han and Leia to get the shield down. And so at this point, Luke has been brought by Vader to the Emperor, and th- these things are all kind of happening simultaneously on um, on the same fronts, on these different fronts, I mean... And so we kind of get the culmination of the Rebels are able to get the shield down on Endor, which allows Lando and the Millennium Falcon and the rest of the Rebel team to go in and, you know, go into the Death Star and find its exposed point, which is the same as last time. You think, like, guys, why are you doing this? But probably the most crucial part of all this stuff is we see what's going on in the Emperor's kind of, like, throne room where Luke is having his final confrontation with Vader. And we see that Luke has really just... He's become this Jedi. He's equal with Vader. And it's really cool because we see, like, they're matched, like, power for power. But then we also see the Emperor trying to manipulate Luke. And this is where, like, emotions come in. And we talked about, like, in The Empire Strikes Back, how Yoda had mentioned emotions are important, but you have to control them. And so we see this kind of interplay between the three of them. Ultimately, Luke chooses to not give in to his anger and, like, the dark side emotions, and he spares his father. And the Emperor goes on to try to kill Luke, and Darth Vader actually ends up, you know, turning back to the good side of the force and he destroys the emperor by throwing him into some chasm electrical thing. Yep. But it's good. And then the Death Star gets, well, Luke it, Luke gets Darth Vader off of it. It couldn't blow up before they get off, but he gets him off of it. And then Lando is able to 
shoot the same place again, like in the first one. Well, no, it's a core in this Yeah, one. it's slightly different. And then they fly out of there, and... Yeah, and then we kind of wrap up with, like, Luke is on Endor burning Darth Vader, and the Ewoks are celebrating, and, um, yeah, they're having the big party with the Ewoks, and then we see the spirit ghosts of yeah. the Jedis from days of future past. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so that's kind of, like, how Return of the Jedi ends. So, man, so good. MJ. Yeah. Things that work for you in this movie. Oh, gosh. I love this movie. This is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, it is not the best Star Wars movie, but it yeah. is my favorite Star Wars movie. It's the one I watched the most as a kid. Yep, me too. It, uh, it is the one that I first realized what an action movie was, even though, uh, you know, my kind of history with Star Wars is that I saw the special editions when they came out in theaters in 97 with yeah. my brother. And I'd seen... New Hope, I had seen... Empire. Empire. <clears throat> and this is the first one where I really realized what an action movie is. And it's that scene where he drops off the ship barge and he yeah. grabs the, the board and he flips up and and R2 shoots... The, that was like the coolest movie I've ever seen <laughs> in any movie ever. And it like... It registered to me so many things. Like just so many... Like bells and lights went off in yeah. my head, like a pinball game almost. <laughs> like just these like new neural pathways were formed in my brain that day. I have such a vivid memory of being in the theater and seeing that, and I, oh gosh, I love it. The lightsaber's green. Green yeah. is my favorite color. Um, yep. You know, and it just like it shows that this is the return of the Jedi. You yeah, know? this is this is him being a Jedi, right? And it's just so it's so sweet, and and um, I think that is why it's my favorite one. It's it has a very strong connection with yeah. me um, as far as like I I learned something about film that day, mm -hmm. and I kind of you know as a critic I have. Those those memories, I have a lot of really deep memories attached to, like, when I first learned something new about film. Yeah. And that, like, that is for sure was the arrival <laughs> of action movies in my little brain. Mm -hmm. um, my little 10-year-old, uh, yeah, probably 10-year-old brain at the time. Just, that was like, I now know what an action movie is. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, so that, it, it always has a special place in my heart. But I just think... But there's, once again, there's so many good payoffs in this movie. Like, yeah. There's so, there's that arc, that father-son arc is heartbreaking and uh, bittersweet and so good and played so well and so earnestly. And it's just, it's a really great wrapping up of yeah. that story that has been going on for three movies. You know, the story, once again, like I said, with the prequels. It feels big. It feels like a, we've come a long way since that 19-year-old on yeah. Tatooine, you know? Um, and even longer way than the prequels, even. It's, it's yeah. a, it feels even bigger, you know? And, you know, there's this... There's this tone of the movie that people don't like and I love. Um, the silliness of it all. It's a mm -hmm. sillier movie. <laughs> and I think after Empire, it needs to be a little bit sillier because if... if this movie took itself as seriously as Empire would still be a bummer at the end, you know? <laughs> um, even even with them winning. Mm -hmm. 
I think that there's more of an air of confidence um, in the movie that the characters have. The characters have more confidence than they ever have. Yeah. You know, Leia feels confident enough to go undercover as Bausch. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, um, Han has now realized, like, oh, Jedi exist. Yeah. You know, as as we're about to see, uh, and we'll get into this next week, but as we're about to see with, with, the force awakens like mm-hmm. his perspective is now like yeah that's all true yep. like that all <laughs> happened um luke is a jedi now yeah officially you know he's built his own lightsaber like his father and his father before him uh you know he's he's carrying on that legacy of the jedi it's just so so iconic and so it's just the arrival of everything that these movies have been leading up to. And, and mm-hmm. so it's just so satisfying. Um, the, this stuff, you know, and they bring Lando back in. They don't just leave Lando yeah. in the Empire. Like, he's back and he's long for the ride. And, you know, um, we get the Ewoks. And I like the Ewoks a lot, Yeah, I do actually. too. Um, I think... And not only for their cuddly factor, they're <laughs> very obviously adorable, but they're still warriors, and they're good warriors, you know? They bring mm-hmm. down an ATST with two logs. Yeah. Um, the speeder bike chase scene is mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, that's really sweet. It's such <laughs> a good scene. Um, it's There's there's so much to love about this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, that covers a lot of it for me. Is I, I just love so much of this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm like right on the same page with you. So much of it, I think the payoff of this story that we've been building to is probably the reason I love Return of the Jedi so much. Yes. Um, and just like, you know, even just in the title, there's just like multiple like layers to that. It's like Luke is the first Jedi to emerge from like, you know, so long, like this, this, you know, this group of people who've basically kind of been wiped out and he's the first one, but it's also like, it's, Kind of like he's returning there on Tatooine like a different person. He's uh-huh. grown. He's he's very different than he used to be. And just like that opening scene, like the opening sequence in Tatooine, I've talked to people and they're like, oh, I feel like that should be shorter. That shouldn't be there. They have a problem with that. But it's so important because we get to see him as a character, like kind of like fully developed, coming full circle. Like we talked about this earlier. Like he's back on Tatooine. He's different. But like... You know, he's in control. We get to see really his powers, like what he can do before he goes up against Vader, who is obviously like the main threat. And so that it just works for me. Just seeing like, yeah, I've been <clears throat> we started out as like this kind of blank slaty character of Luke and we've seen him grow. And like now here is the payoff. Um, so that works for me um, again. The music, the sound design in this film is amazing. Like, I was one of those people that, like, growing up when I saw these movies, like, I I was like, oh, I love the music so much. I actually have the soundtrack to Return of the Jedi. I have and... the soundtrack to Empire and Episode One. Yep, me too. Um, so it was just like, I, I love this music. Um, and just the characters, it's just all, all the arcs kind of coming full circle it just really works and i like that is like the movie that resolves everything Mm. and um the action is really well done i think like you know the rancor scene and the attack on the sail barge and you know most of the stuff on endor is pretty sweet and then just that final confrontation with him and vader Mm. 
is just so good because, you know, it's like the last time they met, you know, it's basically like Luke couldn't really like do anything. It's like, yeah, their blades crossed a couple times, but it's mainly like Vader throwing stuff at him and he throws him out the window and like Luke's really on the defensive most of the time in Empire. He's just like, I bit off more than I can chew. And, you know, in this movie, he stands toe-to-toe with them. Would you say that his powers have doubled since the last time they've met? They have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, that's that's a good juxtaposition. We see, I mean, like, obviously when people were watching these for the first time, they had no comparison. But we see, like... Because we have all six, we see Luke arrive at this place that's very similar to Anakin, and, you know, he chooses the path of the Jedi, and it's just, even without, like, knowing stuff about the prequel, it's just awesome. You see, it's like, I'm not going to be turned like my father. I'm going to be a Jedi, and, you know, we but we see those scenes, and they're so well done. It's like, you know, he's standing toe-to-toe with them. And then Vader tries to kind of like loosely lace in like, you know, different emotional things that can get to him. And, you know, we kind of see Luke start to lose control, but then it's like he's a Jedi and he's been trained and he he understands these things and he's able to pull it back. You know, like when he starts talking about Leia and he goes crazy, but then he pulls it back and he's just like, I'm in control. Or when the Emperor is just like, do it, yeah, kill him. And Luke is like, no, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. It's just... It's so good. It's like everything I've wanted, and that's awesome. I think the space battle is really cool in this one. I really mm-hmm. like it. Um, it's kind of cool to see like Lando, who was kind of like probably like a he was kind of like a minor side character in Empire. Kind of see him get fleshed out a little bit more. Like he even gets a little bit of redemption of like, hey, I didn't mean to do that to you, and it kind of sucked, but. I'm here, like, with the Rebellion, and... Yeah. So it's kind of cool to see that with him, and, like, Leia and Han have their romantic arc completed, and, um, man, it's just... There's just so many things I just love about this movie. Like, when Luke goes back and talks to Yoda... Oh, ...after man. the Jabba stuff, and... Yeah. It's just kind of like, you know, Master Yoda, I need to finish my training. He's like, you have finished it. Yeah. You are a Jedi, and you know it's just uh, it's just so good yeah um yeah so those are those are all the things that work for me in this movie lots of stuff um so i guess we can talk about like what what are the few things that don't work what holds this back from being an empire level movie um it's a little sillier it's you know it's a little cheesier it's a little more sentimental um you know very much you feel you feel it from the people involved that they know this is the last one. Yeah. That kind of comes through a little bit, which a little bit takes you out. Like, I get it. And and it's kind of, it's cool on like a human level, but it also is very much like, oh, well, I feel you coming through that and you're an actor, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> um, it, uh... The second Death Star has always kind of confused me. Like, I've never really been fully on board with that. Even as a kid, like, even watching it as a kid, I was like, why are they doing this? It's like, wait, they're building the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, So that that is never, like, I've never really been able to fully grasp, like, (laughs) that concept. Um, So that's that's always, like, held it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, the characters feel a little bit broader in this. I think that has mm-hmm. plays into the silliness of it. And yeah. Stuff like that. You know, everyone doesn't feel... No one has, like, a... 
there there are very good character beats in it but it's not as consistent and the interactions can feel a little more stilted yeah um it just it feels not as good um yeah it doesn't feel low quality but it does feel lower quality than empire um and that may be because like empire like we talked about i feel is not like a character study but it focuses really tightly on like the characters and the relationship so even though Return of the Jedi is like really good quality. It's just like it pulls the it pulls it back a little bit, mm. you know. So it's not we're not so tight on the relationships, and I feel like some of that comes across in like stuff you were describing. Just things aren't as tight between the character relationships. It's just more broad, yeah, and not in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. Um, fun fact: Chewbacca had to wear an orange vest while they were filming the indoor scenes <coughs> <What>? because. <laughs> uh, they filmed the Endor scenes in the Pacific Northwest forests, mm-hmm. and they didn't want him to get shot. And the reason he <laughs> would have been shot is because he would have been confused for Bigfoot. Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, man. There are people who go after Sasquatch, yep. finding Sasquatch. Yep. Um, there's also a comic, uh, a 10-page short story from Star Wars Tales number 19 or something mm-hmm. where Han and Chewie um, don't have time to set coordinates for hyperspace. So they just kind of blindly go into hyperspace to avoid the empire and they crash land on a blue planet that they've never seen before where Han is um, assaulted and killed by native American Indians. <laughs> <laughs> And 126 years later, um, his remains are happened upon by one Dr. Henry Indiana Jones. Oh. <laughs> and the reason, really? wow. the reason one Dr. Henry Indiana Jones is in that area of the, uh, the United States is because he is looking for Bigfoot, who has been the seven foot tall furry creature walking around. For the last 126 years. Oh, wow. Who is Chewbacca. That is awesome. Yep. On so many levels, that's right. awesome. Wow. I I don't know how we got on that rabbit trail, but that was that was awesome. Um, yep. <laughs> um, okay, uh, things that don't work for me in this film. Um, I love the Ewoks. I just feel like that whole sequence is a little bit too long. Yeah, um, fair enough. <clears throat> And I do like them. I know there's some people who really hate that part of the movie, but I feel like it could have been slightly shortened. Like, all the stuff of, like, them being taken prisoner and C-3PO doing the, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm like this god of the Ewoks and stuff like that. I feel like some of that could just be cut out. And <clears throat> I feel like it kind of slows down the pace of what they're doing. It's like, hey... Because we're supposed to be like disabling the shields. Now we're just kind of like having to get together with the Ewoks. But it's not like hugely detrimental to me. Um, like I said, like this is probably my favorite Star Wars film. So it's not like I'm going to die on a hill about the Ewoks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I, you know, there's very little that we had wrong with any of these three <laughs> original trilogy movies. Yeah. We had to do a lot of forgiving in the prequels, and yes. some of us did not do that forgiving as, <laughs> uh, as far as nope. Attack of the Clones is concerned. Nope. 
Um, and Man, so, no. like, yes, I, I love Attack of the Clones, and it is no for me. It, for me, it is not only <laughs> the wrong is, choice. It is. It's not even a distant second behind the original trilogy for me. It's up there for me. Like, it's <laughs> what? Yeah, I love it. I love that movie. But I had to do a lot more forgiving than I did on these three. Yeah. Like, way more. Ah, uh, no. Um. <laughs> but yeah, like, Return of the Jedi, I feel, is mostly solid. There's not a lot of stuff that we have to be like, oh, yeah, forgive that or overlook yeah. that. It's just, I mean, and like, it, like I said, I think that Ewok thing is probably the biggest problem for me. I feel like everything else is pretty necessary to the film. Yes. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know, like, what else, what else to kind of fault this movie with? I mean, I think it's, it's just a little bit under Empire yeah. in terms of, you know, being the best made Star Wars film. Yeah. So. Yep. And it seems like, you know, because they really wanted to turn it around in two years, it seems like it might be a little undercooked mm-hmm. and that, that a lot of these issues we have with it could have been... If they had just tweaked some of the scenes and made them a little bit tighter, it wouldn't be as yeah. bad. Um, but also, they were on a deadline to get it out on yeah. a two-year um, turnaround. So, mm-hmm. or three-year, I guess, because eighty, eighty-three, yeah, three-year. Um, but it just seemed very. It seems rushed. Yeah. Um, but oh, I've pro- seen rushed sequels that are way worse than this. Yes, so. I agree. Another problem I have. Like, and this is just nitpicky stuff, like, and I don't even know, like, if we should count special editions, but the the weird, like, dance sequence in Jabba's Palace. Oh, and the, yeah, the, spe- the Max Rebo thing. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. And then it's not even, like, a, it's not even a big thing, but just at the end of the movie when they're celebrating, and, like, now George Lucas has changed it so it's Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's I a, get it, it just, but it bothers it just, me. It just irks me. I don't know. I mean, I understand why you would do it now. It's like, oh, yeah, like in in light of the prequels. But come on, man. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. It's pretty dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, but those are all after-the-fact changes yeah, as well. Yeah, so yeah, That dad sequence is bonkers, though. Yeah. It's real strange. Yeah, it's really weird. It's yeah. like, why? Why yeah. Why do we need that? I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of touched on everything. Why we love Return of the Jedi. It's awesome. Just everything everything about it. So um, I think that's going to bring us to a close. Oh, is that all? Is that all we have to say? I don't know if we... Is that all we have to say? I don't know if it is after two hours and 42 minutes if, we, if we've fully <laughs> encompassed this enough. This is going to be made longer by the... <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> but anyway, I think I think that'll wrap us up for uh this very long in-between show. Yes. Um if you like it or if you disliked it or you strongly disagreed with some of the opinions shared here today, I know I did. Um, bring it. Bring it. Please bring talk it. to us. Uh you can email us at the before and after show at Gmail. Or you can comment on Facebook, like us on Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, comment on SoundCloud, like us on SoundCloud. Please tell us what you think. You know, in all the hype for Force Awakens, we want to hear what you guys are thinking about Star Wars and these films and the prequels. If you hate them with a burning passion of a thousand suns, 
or if you're like, oh yeah, they're kind of cool, or maybe you love them. You know, so let us know. Let us know what you think. Or maybe you think Return of the Jedi is the best film of the original three. Let us let us know. So I think with that... Yep. Uh, here's some money. Go watch a Star War. <laughs> okay, that was a fun and lively discussion. Um, and probably less controversial than the uh, previous episode. Yeah. You guys are all probably sitting down, you know, like nobody is ready to kill anybody. Yeah. So <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. Um, again, please let us know your thoughts. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud, comment on SoundCloud, like us, comment on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Um, you can text us at Twitter, tweet us at Twitter. What am I talking about? Um, before and after pot. Before. Yeah. Yep. Before and after, after pot. pot. Yep. Okay. At before the letter N after pod. Uh, and uh, yeah, so MJ, tell us real quick before we're out of here. What do we have coming down the pipe? Sure. Next week, uh, next week is this is it, man. It's the uh, big one. It's the big one. Uh, the all roads have led to this to yes. uh, borrow a Fast and Furious <laughs> tagline. Um, this is this is it. It's Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens is officially. Hitting our eyeballs yeah, and ear holes next weekend. And uh, as a result, we will be doing a before and after show, mm -hmm. which is not something I had originally planned to do because I felt like every avenue of Star Wars talk had been exhausted. Yep. And then <laughs> I remembered that a good friend of the show, uh, Mr. Jake Barton, has a very unique take and very unique perspective on this movie in particular. Mm -hmm. And he will tell you all about that next week. Uh, when he joins us for for the before and after show for Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Yes. <laughs>